And we are live back with another episode of Shifting the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns, and as usual, I'm joined by the autism sage herself, Mama Baden. How are you? I am good. And typically, I base that off of the weather. But today, I will say that I am feeling really good because, Torin, you and I have been having conversations, and I'd like for our listeners to know that we are getting comments. We are getting private messages from people that are shifting their narrative. We are having parents um, uh, advocating and asking questions now that they are listening to the podcast and and getting informed. So um, I'm really feeling good. You know, all of our effort and work and and those who contribute and those who listen and those who spread. Um, we're starting to shift some things and, and it's one person at a time and then it's another person. So I just wanted to throw that out there. No, we, 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 we really do appreciate the feedback we get. And I don't know, I was just talking about this. We, we had a meeting yesterday, me and Stacy, and we were just talking about how awesome it is that like we're getting to, I don't want to say influence, but we're getting to help people. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even want, she wants me to say this on the podcast. And first I didn't, because it sounds like we're filleting ourselves. But it, it, it really, I really do like the fact that we can get our message out there and actually affect people on individual level and change lives just because there's so much bullshit out there mm-hmm. on everything, but especially autism, just because it's an inconvenient disorder and people want quick fixes to everything. Mm-hmm. So, and sometimes I feel like our message isn't convenient enough and it's too nuanced and it's not getting out there. So seeing those comments really does help me at least and gives me an idea that like what I'm doing, what we're doing is making a difference. Mm-hmm. And feel free to like, comment, subscribe, all of that stuff, because that helps the algorithm. It helps get our message out there even more. So put the comment rate in iTunes. I believe iTunes, that's, that does the best for the algorithm, I think. So put ratings there, put comments there, uh, put comments pretty much anywhere, any app you're consuming this from, any website you're consuming this from, it all helps. Um, but let's get, before I make another um, let's get <laughs> to the topic today. Yeah, so... Um, speaking of shifting the narrative, uh, one of the things that I, I told Torn I wanted to sort of talk about was this concept of visual supports. And um, typically, you know, because there's a lot of um, uh, stuff on Instagram and a lot of, you know, quick, cute videos on Facebook and all of these things that are being thrown at you on Pinterest on visual schedules, visual supports, and parents are like, you know, throwing up all these things and, and no one really knows what to do with them and why they're using them. And some people say they don't need them. And then other people say they have to grow out of them. And so I wanted to have just an honest conversation as I always want to have an honest conversation but a conversation focused around visuals and how they can support autistic individuals. Um, And if you don't mind, Torn, I'm going to kind of take a little bit of lead on just giving our listeners a little bit of sort of history, right? Those who may know, those who may be hearing for the first time, visuals uh, supports are usually uh, introduced to parents when their children are very young. Uh, typically in therapy or in the school setting, uh, this therapist will use what we call kind of like a first then visual, or they'll use a visual schedule in the classroom. You'll hear that a lot. And um, sometimes they use visual supports for communication, uh, 
sometimes they call it pecs, but it's really not pecs. Uh, so that's how parents are typically introduced to them. And because they're introduced when kids are younger, then it is assumed that they are to grow out of or wean themselves from needing those visual supports. And, and I, so I always think of that as why <laughs> um, uh, visual supports look different as the child gets older, right? They may be these cute little icons when they're three and maybe have words and pictures when they're in second grade. Uh, and as they're older, there are words or a checklist. And so they look different as they get older. But the concept of weaning them off of the supports is what I kind of want to talk about and talk about why we don't want to do that and the, the reason they're so important. And think of it in terms of when you have a child that has a hearing impairment and you provide them with a hearing aid, no one says, oh, you know, we want to work towards weaning them off needing that hearing aid. Um, because you know it's different. No I mean, my parents just hoped that my hearing deficit would just go away. <laughs> we did a whole apps on my IEP. It said I couldn't hear for shit when I was three <laughs> years old, and I didn't get a hearing aid till I was in my twenties. They just they just ignored it. So yes, you can do that. No, you, you can, can just that. you can just ignore it and hope it goes away. <laughs> so uh, you know, I just wanted to kind of talk about uh, the 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 visuals and the supports. It's all about supports um, and to take away that concept of when children are little, there are these little pictures that tell them where to go. And for those of you who are listening, who have young children, um, you know, on my website, there are trainings um, in regards to using visuals for younger children. And just really quickly, the concept is visual schedules and visual supports tell our children what to expect, what's next, and when they're finished, right? Um, and when they're getting to their preferred item, right? Or their preferred activity. And, uh, you know, what we have to remember is that our children process information differently. And so visuals remain, but verbal words disappear. So when you say we're going to the park after lunch, that whole concept is gone. They'd have no time to process it. If they missed one word or missed two words, maybe they only heard park and now they're expecting to go to the park. However, if you have a visual schedule to point to, to show first we're going to eat lunch and then we're going to the park, then they are able to process that because the visuals remain and give them time to take it in and process what you said, what you have said. Uh, so that's kind of the concept. And of course, you know, where to go, what's next, um, and when you're finished. But as they get older, visual supports have a lot of good benefits, a lot of good benefits. Um, but Torin, can you think of two top visual supports you think work really well for, let's say, preteens to teens? Yeah, um, I got nothing. I'm going to be honest, which is part of the reason this sounds like a joke, but I'm not joking. Part yeah. of the reason we're doing this episode mm -hmm. is, and this is going to be part one of a multi-part, we don't know how many yet, series mm -hmm. focuses on support for teens and autistic adults mm -hmm. because not enough efforts put there. I can't, I honestly cannot think of any visual supports used with teens or adults. Like my experience working with autistic older autistic individuals, they generally are expected sort of just to figure stuff out. Mm -hmm. Some of this, in my, this is my opinion right now, this is not like expert. My opinion is some of this is because parents don't want to admit that their kids are going to need these supports as they get older. They're, mm -hmm. Even if they know they're not going to grow out of it, they still hope deep down 
that they're at least somewhat going to be able to function like a quote-unquote normal person. And the rest of it is just sort of ignorance, especially yes. for autistic kids and teens to get diagnosed a little bit later. They're like, well, they made it this far on their own. They don't need it now. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, I can't think of any times where visual supports have been implemented in my experience or my lived experience mm-hmm. and any of the kids I work with. We didn't really use visual supports for even if they needed it, we didn't really use it. We would generally mm-hmm. cut that off after about the age of like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Yes. As much as I hate to admit it, that's yeah. just, and that's it also makes you feel so old because I realize like how long ago it's been already. Yep, that is exactly what happens. And, you know, you said, um, you know, in terms of expecting them to be able to do it because they're older. And I, right now I wear glasses, right? You wear glasses. And I demonstrate all the time when I'm in coaching sessions with parents. And I say, right now, I need my glasses to support my vision because I cannot see without them. So when I take my glasses off, I am visually impaired. But if I put them back on, then I can see and I can do what I need to do. So well, I see that's need, an acceptable disability. I, yes, I need those. But 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 it's but this is where if we don't, it's not even about thinking about the disability per se. I'm going to bring that back. I'll bring us back to that. But it's about it's really about supports. You know, it, the supports can be some people have supports in place. And, and, and those of you who are listening, who are my parents, you know, I like to use examples and I will, you know, sit in a session and I see on the refrigerator, a list of the grocery list. That's a visual support for an adult. That's not autistic. That is a visual support to remind them what they need to get at the grocery store. If they did not have that list, they would not know what they needed at the store. So those are things that are used in order to help us navigate our busy lives and our busy days. And using supports does not mean that you are not independent. It's actually the opposite. That's why we're talking about this. Using those supports actually facilitates independence because if you have a visual support on your phone that reminds you to drink water every two hours because your interoceptive system doesn't tell you you're thirsty and if you don't drink you get dehydrated and you don't want to stay with your mom all day so your mom keeps telling you to drink water and she won't let you go out because she's worried that you're not going to drink water and you want to have your independence so you download an app that visually communicates to you, well, auditorily and visually, when you need to drink water and whatever it is, how many ounces. There's all these apps. My, my step counter does that. In fact, I'm glad you brought this up because now that I think about it, those are all examples of visual sports. And we all use those autistic, neurotypical, neurodivergent, whatever. I think we need to change the name or come up with a different phrase. And the reason I say that is if you change the name, we change the thing. When you say visual supports or supports, because our society has a really ass backwards way of looking at things, Mm -hmm. we see that as a sign of disability, as a sign of being less than, of something Mm -hmm. that needs to be overcome. Mm -hmm. Because no one says, for example, I have a step counter right now to tell me how many steps I'm getting. So I make sure I'm getting enough steps because Mm -hmm. I work at a desk. That's a support. It also has like a water tracking app. I don't use it. I don't forget stuff like that, but a lot of people do. That's support. Mm -hmm. I've talked about my friend Henry who sets like five different alarms, remind him to drink water and to take a break and all that stuff. Those are all supports, Mm -hmm. but we don't call it supports. And when you don't call it supports, you call it just like tricks or time management tools. For example, my friend Henry, that's a 
quote unquote time management tool. Those are support. But yeah. time management tool, that sounds cool. That sounds like you're grinding, you're making money, you're waking yeah. up at 4 a.m., you're you're ruining relate your relationship, your wife and kids, so you can grind harder. That sounds cool. That's the American way. But when we say support, it's like, oh well, that's a drain. You shouldn't need mm -hmm. support, and you shouldn't need other people to give you supports. Mm -hmm. So I almost worry. I do worry about the phrase supports, even mm -hmm. though that is the accurate phrase, because of the negative connotations. I don't think that can be turned around. Yeah, I don't have a better phrase, so we're going to use supports for the system. But understand, when we talk about supports, mm -hmm. we're talking about stuff that like you and me probably use or some variation of it, of things we all use. Yes. So I just wanted to bring that up. No, I think that's a really valid point. And, you know, I've had discussions with people who train on strategies for um, teaching autistic kids. And there are a couple of people who feel that a stop sign is not a visual support because I use that as an example all the time. And, um, how is that not a visual support? You know, she came up with some irrational, rational way of rationalizing her theory. And I just listened and did what I was going to do anyway. <laughs> just like, I mean, I was like, whatever. Um, and, and the reason is because I, I guess I'll, I'll share that this may be context for, um, everyone who's listening, but uh, one of the, the, the examples I share when I'm trying to help teachers understand to keep those visual supports in place, um, because often they'll say, oh, they're doing really well. You know, we don't really need the visuals anymore. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, no, they're doing well because they have the visuals there. And so I say all the time, you know, we all have a route. We, if you drive, you have a driving route and inevitably to get out of your neighborhood, there's a stop sign you have to go to every time. Right. And one morning you drive and the stop sign's not there. You know, you have to stop. Like, you know, okay, I have to stop. It's an intersection, but you're like, do I stop? Do I not stop? Cause the visual support's not there. So you start getting really, really anxious. All right. And you stop, but you're like, I wasn't really sure. So there's this moment of, I'm not really sure what to do or what to expect. That's how our children feel when you take away their visual supports, because every day is not a day that they can process the verbal information. Every moment is not a moment where just because they did it Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and they didn't maybe need to look at the visual support twice, maybe on Thursday they do. So we keep it there because we need the stop sign to remind us, even though we know computer labs only on Wednesday, even though we know we have to stop <laughs> at the stop sign interaction. I mean, at the intersection, the stop sign helps. Even we know I have to drink water throughout the day. I'm not getting the body signals. So I need a visual support to remind me and communicate that to me. It's really simple. Thoughts? Torn? I think most people know that under, oh, they agree with the examples they, that you gave. They agree they need visual supports. I think where it gets a little murky is, and I hate to use this phrase, but it's a colloquial phrase. And as soon as I say, everyone will know what I mean. <laughs> so I'm going to use it. When you start focusing on higher functioning individuals. Ah. See, everyone knows what I mean, right? Mm -hmm. So as soon as I say high functioning, everyone thinks, okay, they're fully verbal. They have some independence ability. Usually their academic prowess is somewhere around ex uh, the expectations of their school and stuff like that. That's why I use it, but, but I digress. When we're talking about higher functioning individuals, that's when visual supports tend to become a bit murky because 
they do have some ability to function without supports. Even if it's not well, they'll say, well, they can function. As opposed to a, and I really hate to say this, lower functioning individual, I really hate to say that phrase, who is dependent on supports where if you remove them, their ability to function on a day-to-day basis just collapses. Mm -hmm. What would... what would visual supports for a higher functioning individual look like? Because you wouldn't need something like a stop sign to tell them to stop doing something. But what would, I know it is is a broad question, what would sort of a more advanced version of that look like? So I am going to say that I don't even look at it from the perspective of what would it look like for high functioning, low functioning, um, any of that? I literally look at it as whomever the individual person is, whatever supports they need visually to communicate to them boundaries, reminders, schedules, routines, procedures, whatever that is, that it needs to be in place. That can be on technology. It can be a sign in the laundry room that reminds of the check of, you know, the items that you do, the steps that you do. It can be something simple, like what to put in your backpack. I have a lot of older teens or college kids that they have a little laminated um, card that they typed up that that's type that's tagged onto their backpack that reminds them and they check it and it's like a little, you know, nobody really notices it. It's just, you know, people have stuff hanging on their backpack. Nobody looks at it and it gives them the things that they need to make sure they have in their backpack. And that's how they are independently remembering and are not remembering. They're actually independently able to put the items they need and bring them throughout the day and not get frustrated because they forgot something, right? We know They may not have the executive functioning or memory recall skills or organization skills to pack their backpack. So we're going to provide a visual support to help them do that independently without a parent standing there. And one of the things I think, Torin, that, you know, thinking of parents is, you know, there's another part of that concept of not providing visual supports for older children or maybe not even thinking about using visual supports or visual schedules at all sometimes parents really are feel fearful of their children becoming independent. That is very true. Overprotecting. You know, I mean, I have lots of families and I'm like, Hey, he's 12. He can wash his own clothes. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, he can wash his own clothes. He's 12. Let's get some visuals up and let's start with sorting. Let's start with folding. Let's then progress to putting in the dryer. And then let's progress to putting the washer put visuals in place and they can do it. They can do it on their own. They can really do it on their own. And I think I, I completely agree with all of that. And I'm glad you brought that up. A lot of people, and this isn't just an autism thing. A lot of people, parents are almost afraid of their kids coming independent mm-hmm. for a whole variety of reasons, which I think is probably for another episode. <laughs> I am thinking though that when you you, brought, you you asked the question earlier, what are some examples of visuals I've seen? And I've been thinking more and more about it. I have seen some, but I think they, the reason I didn't think of it, because when I was thinking visuals, I was thinking like what most people think of. So like what you give the little kids, like like first then, or something like a stop sign, tell them to stop mm-hmm. doing something because they might struggle to process the words mm-hmm. as opposed to a bit more subtle sort of visuals. For mm-hmm. example, how I forget everything, 
So if I need to remember something, because I refuse to write things down, I, I don't know why. I, I don't. I refuse to write things down. But because something's out of my sight, I'll forget it. I have to leave something in my sight to remember it. Something as simple as that. A lot of autistic individuals, as they become adults, due to the lack of visuals, will start kind of making their own haphazardly. That's why, and this is a slightly different topic, but I think it is related. A lot of adult autistics who do stuff you might define as weird, like very odd, mm-hmm. might actually have a purpose. For me, like yes. I said, I leave stuff out on purpose if I need to remember it. Yep. As to answer your question for visual, I do remember one time. So when I was in high school, we had a kid who had a lot of issues besides being autistic. Mm-hmm. He was probably what would today be classified as an incel. This is a little before the incel movement. But he had a lot. He, puberty was kicking his ass. He had a lot of sexual urges. I'm just being blunt. We were mm-hmm. like, we were seniors in high school. He's an 18-year-old boy. Like, mm-hmm. we all get that. In fact, if they're not, that's actually caught more cause for concern, just so y'all know. Anyway, um, one of our teacher assistants came up with a strategy for him because he had trouble. Turns out he had trouble communicating it. No one realized that because he could talk. It's a, how we communicate stuff would be so blunt and crass and full of expletives that was just wholly inappropriate for school. Yes. We're like, okay, not that way. Yes. So she thinks she came up with a color coding chart, like an actual Ooh. chart that basically, I forget what the colors were, but uh, he would point to the color to decide, to, to demonstrate like where he was in terms of sexual frustration. Mm-hmm which I'm trying to stay with a straight face, this was important because it would mess with him. He couldn't like buffer those feelings like yes. most dudes do. Most yeah. dudes, by the way, like we're always horny. Like almost mm. always horny. Even when we're old. We're, we just have the ability to buffer that. Like yeah. people think that that's all we think about. No, no, no. We actually, we can compartmentalize that pretty well. Mm-hmm. He couldn't. So yeah. what that would do is they'd have strategies such as they'd go for a walk, they'd move mm-hmm. from class, yada, yada. They'd talk things to talk things over with him. How is he feeling? Uh, was there a particular girl involved? Yada, yada, yada. They'd have a whole... Mm-hmm. She, the TA was explaining this to me. And we were in shock because it was such a simple solution. Mm-hmm. And that kid had been in that school for 11 years at that point and no one had figured that out. Oh, wow. And she just... Unfortunately, this is last year there. And she was a TA. She didn't have a degree or anything. Be a TA, you need like community college. And she'd figured that out. And that worked really well. Like it calmed him down like nothing else anybody had ever tried. Mm-hmm. Just because he had a way to communicate his feelings. Yep. So there's an answer. There, there's one example of a visual. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I don't remember much because no one thought about that in my school. I went to and bingo card, guys. So I was in special ed, <laughs> which I work in every episode from the time I was three years old to the time I was 19. And the last I bounced around. The last school I was in ran K through 12. I was there 10 through 12. That kid was there first through 12th grade. And when they came up that visual, he was in 12th grade. He had been wow. a problem child the entire time he was there. Wow. And only the last year did a TA who'd just been moved. He had, she hadn't worked with him for that long either. She'd just been moved to the middle school. That's when she figured it out. She was working with the middle school kids. Fi- instantly figured out a way to get him to communicate how he was feeling. Mm-hmm. And that actually did a lot to help calm him down because mm-hmm. he had trouble articulating it. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, it baffled my mind how no one had come up with that. And no mm-hmm. one thought of it. We didn't use visuals, even for the kids. And this was a school specialized in autism. Yeah. And we didn't use visuals. 
the little kids used visuals, like the elementary mm -hmm. school kids. By the time we were in middle and high school, you didn't. It was some more similar to a regular school. Mm -hmm. So that's why I wasn't really able to answer your question. It's because yeah. we don't. We just assume. And not all of these individuals would be what you define as high-functioning either. Mm -hmm. most, yeah. of, most of us are what you define as that. But some of us weren't. And some of us really struggle. And basic solutions just were never thought of. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like an anger, like, oh, you should be able to do better. Just, people just didn't think of it. No one thought outside the box. Mm -hmm. No one thought about how you could better support the needs. Um, you know, I always tell parents when you get in a, a sticky situation and you're like, okay, what can we do to not have this happen again? <laughs> um, it's think about how you can restructure the environment so that it supports and clearly defines boundaries, but also how can you visually communicate those boundaries of what to expect and what you want them to do and, and make those changes. And it's usually very simple. Like, you know, when they're little, it's usually like, just put up a stop sign or put a basket as to this is where your things belong. You know, there are a lot of things that are visual supports, um, especially for, you know, if we think about let's say if we think about for younger children, someone would say, oh, you know, a visual support, you know, they, they never pick up their toys. And then my, my question to the parent is, so where are the toys supposed to go? Well, they just need to pick them up and put them up against the wall. Okay. That is not structured enough. Get a big basket and let them know this is where the toys go. Put in, put in the toys go in. If they have something that visually communicates the boundary of where the items are supposed to go, if there's a place for them to go, they're more likely to actually follow through with the direction. Now, for an older child, a teenager, an adult going into college or someone who's already in the workforce, it's a visual of a bowl by the door or a hook by the door of this is where you put your keys so and that you they have don't to, lose their keys. And you have to be, I'm sorry for cutting you off, you have to be careful not to insult their intelligence. Of course. You have to be very, you have to come, when you're dealing with teenagers, mm -hmm. any teenagers, but especially autistic teenagers, any teenager with a quote unquote disability, mm -hmm. you have to be careful. I shouldn't say quote unquote disability because autism is a disability, but that's mm -hmm. not going to go there. You have to make sure you're not insulting their intelligence or they're mm -hmm. simply just not going to use yes. any of the support you give them because they're going to see it as you think they're dumb. Yes. So, if you know they can process the word stop, mm -hmm. but you want them to stop doing something, something like a stop sign might not be the best thing because you're insulting their intelligence, but yeah. you need some sort of visual. Yeah. Like with that, with, with, with that classmate, they used a color coding system, mm -hmm. which wasn't an insult to his intelligence mm -hmm. because they weren't, it wasn't like, so what color is orange? Like it was assumed he knew what the colors were. Yes. They like he, he was allowed to pick the colors. That's yes. the thing. He picked the colors on what was low, what was medium, what was high, what was, mm -hmm. I need to have sex with something right now. In yes. his particular case, what was yes. very high. Yes. He picked the colors on what he could associate best with. Mm -hmm. And then that's how the system ran. Yeah. And then he had the independence to approach her when he needed to talk and right. talk about his feelings mm -hmm. and see where he was to get regulated. Mm -hmm. That's why it worked. Yeah. It worked because he took charge of that. Mm -hmm. So it's very important when dealing with older individuals that you include them in this process. Yes. What can what do they want to help themselves? Yes. So I will give you a perfect example of this. 
Um, I had a family that had two, um, well, they actually had three autistic kiddos, but two boys. And one was age, I think it was 14, 15. And the other was um, like nine, 10. And so one of the things that we, she was struggling with was the snack when school was out, you know, during school break, kids just tend to go in the snack bin. And so she wanted to figure out how to get them to stop eating so many snacks and then, or, or stop asking, right? Like, can I have a snack? Can I have a snack? Can I have a snack? So for the younger kiddo, I said, oh, we can just use snack tokens, right? And so every morning you can either use tickets or you can use a visual check off. It doesn't matter. Um, you're going to give them something tangible. And each one of those tangible things is a representation of snack. So when he has a snack, he checks off, had a snack, or he gives you the marble or whatever it is you want to do. Now for the 14 year old, that's not going to go over very well, right? So for the 14 year old, we sat down and we said, would you like to organize your snacks for the week? He said, sure. So his mom got seven Ziploc bags. He organized what he wanted each day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He was given the boundary of choosing three snacks per day. He put it in there and that is how he managed his snack portioning. And, and that is so important because like I said, Teenagers in general, this is a general tip about teenagers. They like to feel like they're in charge, but they want you to help them with everything. Mm -hmm. You yes. kind of have it, it, a dichotomy that you have to be able to do both. So they yes. want the boundaries, but they say they don't. Yes. So now someone would say, well, I don't understand how organizing your snacks into a meal plan is visual support. Well, it's a visual support because remember the visual supports are to help with processing. It's not that autistic people don't understand what we're saying. It's the processing takes a different route. So therefore, sometimes it may appear to take longer or it does take longer because it just goes a different route. So thinking in terms of if you open the pantry, if your instinct as a 14 year old, as most 14 year olds is, oh, I want to get a snack, want to get a snack. But when you go into the pantry and you visually see the organization, you see the Tuesday bag, you look in the Tuesday bag, you see that you have three snacks left. Oh, good. I can have a snack. Or if you see one snack left, you can start to self-regulate and say, mm, do I want to eat the snack now or do I want to wait until? Yes. Yes, I do. Before? Fuck it. Two so, hours later. I'm so hungry. It's a way to self-manage them as to be able to learn those self-management skills. And so the visual is the reminder of the boundary, the limitations, and then what to expect, what they can have and when they're finished. It is. That's Listen, what it is. I just want to eat all of the snacks. I know, Torn. I know. You can I can't, I can't, I can't even have that stuff in the house. I'm such, well, I'm such will, a Well, I will, I will, this is not part of visual supports. However, I will, I will quickly say that that is part of the process as well. If they eat all of the snacks early in the day, they learn quickly to pace themselves because they learn by default and, 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 oh my gosh, I don't have any more snacks and, and I'm hungry. And, and that is another thing. It's and we talk about this in general because we, we we bring this up so much. It's so true. You have to give them a chance to screw up too. Yes. If they eat their snacks too fast, they have to learn their repercussions for that. 
Yes, have you can't keep saying you can't keep the idea is for them to do it independently with the visual and for mom not to have don't say oh if you eat that third snack you're gonna have nope let it ride exactly they know exactly let, what's let it ride even it. if they get upset because yep. a lot of parents are like but then they'll get upset yes let, they will let them get upset yes. like they should get upset because that will be a learning experience yes. for them. let yes. that like let it rock let yes. them learn that the thing is and I, I love that so much because it does multiple things. Not only does it help them with visuals and understanding and budgeting, things like that. It's an overall executive functioning tool. Mm -hmm. That particular example, it gives them, a, not only does it give them a sense of independence, it teaches them how to effectively parcel out what they're going to eat for the week. It helps mm -hmm. them meal prep, yep. which is most autistic people struggle with have some form of executive dysfunction. Yes. So, all of all of this is sort of tied in and that's so good and i love that example i can't get over how good that example is i'm sorry <laughs> it's such a good example because that's what you have to do with older individuals you have to when people worry about supports and them not being independent mm -hmm. that is independence mm -hmm. being able to do that that is independence because they're doing it for themselves yes you're pitching the idea mm -hmm. That's fine. Everyone gets ideas from other places. How many people watch time management videos on YouTube? Go on YouTube, look up time management, see how many views those freaking videos have. Mm -hmm. And look how many views they have versus the channel that it's on. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you most of them are smaller channels that that was their biggest video. Because everybody, for example, looks up time management stuff because mm -hmm. almost everybody sucks at it. You're getting your ideas from other people. So the mm -hmm. idea is doesn't show the lack of independence. Yeah. What shows independence is their ability to do it. And eventually they're going to start doing, because we love routine, eventually they're going to start doing it themselves. Mm -hmm. They're going to be like, mom, can I get the baggies so I can organize my snacks this yeah. week? And then we're going to segue into visuals to make their grocery list and then to budget and then to be able to order online if they need to or go to the store if they can tolerate the sensory. So it all goes into independence. You know, I'm all about independence. That's why I love visuals. That's why I love using visuals that are technology based because you can bring them anywhere. But I also love post-its and I love writing things down and I love things on the wall. Most people have a bulletin board or a dry erase board on the refrigerator or a calendar if you have multiple children. Um, to tell you where you're supposed to go on Thursday and who has soccer practice on Wednesday or your phone reminds you, right, where to go. You have a grocery list that you put into your phone. So visual supports are, are very commonly used. A GPS is a visual support. It's visually, auditorily, yes, but it's visually guiding you as to where to go. And some people need that visual support and they're not autistic. <laughs> so... Um, it's not anything that is a negative, right? There's nothing wrong with, to me, independence is using your supports that work for you. That's what independence is. You're not supposed to be able to do everything on your own. I mean, who came up with that idea? I don't know. Who Capitalism. But you are supposed to use your resources and your supports. That's it. That's it. It's true. The problem is we have a culture. I'm, I'm being tongue-in-cheek when I say capitalism, but we have a culture, especially in America and in a lot of other countries where, especially men, are expected to just be able to do stuff on their own with as little support as humanly possible. So our idea of, in the medical community, our idea of independence is effectively figure it out. Yeah. And that's not good. What that does is it's the reason when you see high-functioning individuals who are doing relatively well without, like, having some of those supports, 
they do have supports. Those are ones that are just good at figuring out supports themselves. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has that ability. Yeah. Well, and and I think that is one of those things where, you know, in terms of visuals being used as supports for our teens and our going into college or newly into college or newly into the workplace, um, parents feel that they do not need to help them get those visual supports in place. And that is really a key part. And it doesn't always have to be the parent themselves directly doing it, but parents can either, you know, look into resources for like a mentor and assistant, or even like a friend of the family, right. Or a big brother to help them get those visuals in place because, and to check on it, like you, you can't just say, okay, you're an adult hear your visuals or get your visual supports in place. You have some people and it doesn't matter. I mean, we're talking about autism, but this applies to human beings in general, but specific to autistic individuals, some people need a little bit more support around supports getting in place than others. Like you just said, some people can think of it on their own. Some people do well with trial and error and they don't get as frustrated. And some people don't and can't think of ways, you know, being organized is not a skill set everyone has. That has nothing to do with autism. I mean, it's really nothing to do with autism. Not everybody knows how to organize their desk, their refrigerator, their closet. Most people don't. No. And so expecting someone who we know has executive functioning, um, uh, you know, challenges or, or differences, however we want to word it, uh, glitches where it just, you know, shuts down and gets stuck. It's you can't expect them to have a skill set in place that the majority of people don't have in place at all anyway. Organization is not something that we're all born with. Organization strategies. Exactly. And I, I get I get the impulse of, well, so-and-so's kid can do so-and-so. Well, your kid isn't so-and-so's kid. Yes. They're, they're just not. And yes, even as they get older, it might take, I don't even want to say a little bit more work, mm-hmm. a little bit more work on the front end. Because yeah. if you don't put in the work on the front end, it's, you're going to end up having to do it on the back end. That doesn't change. You say that from when they're kids. As they get older, that doesn't change. If you don't put in the work on the front end, they might be able to keep going for a little bit, but eventually they're going to crash. Yeah. That's when you get the call that like, they ended up in prison or God forbid, or they ended up in, in, in the funny farm or like the cops are here or they, or they freaking drank an entire bottle of Jägermeister and ended up in the emergency room. <laughs> totally not speaking from experience here. That's when you, and that's how you end up with those weird ass calls mm-hmm. that we, we, we both have, have uh, experience with because supports weren't in place and they eventually just ran out of steam because their ability just to figure it out on their own only goes but so far. So put in a little note, understand your child, understand your young adult and put in the work on the front end to avoid things going wrong on the back end. And the older your kid gets, the higher the potential of things going wrong on the back end to actually like mess up their lives. Mm -hmm. Like, a five-year-old, things going wrong on the back end is like a meltdown, which is inconvenient at best. Yeah, but when you're an adult, it's different. Different consequences. Yeah, like, yes. I, like I've had some... I, I've, I've been fortunate that when things gone wrong, I've been able to escape some of the worst consequences mm-hmm. due to an innate ability to bullshit my way mm-hmm. out of things. Mm-hmm. But 
consequences. I learned that the hard way in my early 20s when, because I, visual sports were not existent for me. I came out of a broken home. Like I was fully in the figure stuff out and I struggled to do that. Mm -hmm. So I had to, I got into some trouble multiple times. And the only reason I didn't end up in jail or in hospital or getting kicked out of college was basically I'm good at talking so I could talk my way out of stuff. Mm -hmm. You don't want that. You you don't want that because that's pure luck. I just happen to roll the dice and like my autism suit power is bullshit. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good at sounding normal and convincing people and being able to tell a story and things like that. And I've learned how to leverage that. Most of your kids aren't going to have that ability. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not saying that as an elitist. They probably have better abilities than I do. Because that's it, it's a very specific ability. They might be good at tech. They might be good at other stuff. They mm-hmm. might not have the ability to bullshit their way out of trouble. You yeah. don't want them in a situation where they're constantly in trouble and then having to find their way to get out of trouble. Exactly. Exactly. They're going to get in trouble no matter what. And that's a learning experience. But you don't want it to always be happening. Yeah, and you don't want it to be a major consequence. So, so let me let me share a little bit in terms of let me give some perspective to listeners of what do visually driven supports look like for teens, college, young adults, right? Um, and then I'll get into adults, adults. So for you know that fourteen to I don't know twenty two, twenty three, it can look like a um, calendar, right, on the refrigerator. Um, a grocery list on the counter. It can look like um, steps on how to wash your clothes are near the washing machine. It can have a checklist on the bathroom door with the things that you need to do um, because sometimes executive functioning gets in the way of putting on deodorant every day or taking medication if you need to take medication or sometimes even brushing your teeth or washing your face. And so sometimes sometimes how how many of you have the and i don't mean to cut you off but how many of you have the little uh i don't know what they're called but they're like pill organizers yes where you have the it has the s and the m and the t and the w and the t and the yes and the f and the other s for each day and you put the little pills and the so and so Mm -hmm. how many of you have that how many of you have to for example my aunt to remember to take her meds in the morning one of her medications she puts it on the cutting board in the kitchen because that reminds her, oh, I mm-hmm. haven't taken it yet. Mm-hmm. How many of you have taken medication, forgot, and then went, oh, crap, did I take that? Yeah. So little things like that, those are simple things that like mm-hmm. everyone uses to at least a certain extent. And I'm sorry mm-hmm. for cutting you off, but no, no, no. That, that one in particular, mm-hmm. because it's so common. Yes. But I, I digress. Keep going. No, no, no. <laughs> so, so, no, no, this is good. So what, what you just said is everyone uses them, right? I think, um, yes, we all use visuals, visually driven supports in our environment. The, um, the difference between the visual supports for an autistic individual, and this is my perspective, and this is how I try to explain it. It's, it's, yes, we use a pill container. Yes, we all have a calendar. But for many individuals, the visual support needs to be around put on deodorant or brush your teeth, or take your medicine, or eat, right? Like those are things that need to be visually in a person's face for them to execute that function. And also 
the visual supports in terms of a checklist for an autistic individual, maybe a checklist of items to collect or a checklist of things to do or things to um, people to call, um, whatever it is. And the difference between the checklist being completed for an autistic individual and a non-autistic individual is simply um, a meltdown or an overload of frustration because- Or shit just not getting done, just straight well, up. Yes, and because stuff doesn't get done, then there's a domino effect with that, which creates the whole leading to a meltdown, right? And and I'll use an example of, uh, you know, last week I was traveling and, and my son uh, forgot something because he's got, he always forgets something. <laughs> He, so, has, he has a little and, bit of executive functioning. Yes, well, a little bit executive right? functioning. And, and because he forgot it, and this is, I mean, I'm so used to it. To me, I'm just like waiting for the you know explosion because he always forgets something, even though I always say, did you check? Did you check? Did you check everything? Because you always leave something. Inevitably, he always leaves one thing. And so the one thing he needed was the key to get in the house. So that was a domino effect of now I have to take time to go out. Now I have to go back to get the key. Now I don't have the key. Now I can't get in the house, which makes that, drive for frustration and escalation because of not finishing and, and you feel like an idiot too like when when That's you forget true. like you feel like you're a dumbass you're like why do i keep doing this i stuff? know i know the so more i think about it the more i want to take back one of my previous statements i said Ooh. a lot of people want their kids to be normal quote unquote normal functioning adults and not need supports. But we also mentioned most adults have supports. What they really want is they want their kids, a lot of people, and I'm not saying about our audience. Our audience is pretty enlightened. And we know this because if you're still listening at this point, you're pretty enlightened. Yeah. Otherwise, you would like cursed at us and turn the shit <laughs> off and written angry and written an angry review. A lot of people want their kids just to be like adults and what adults do what quote unquote normal adults do is they just kind of figure it out they they create their own supports on their own over time mm -hmm. and not even on their own because for example use the the pill organizer most of the time you didn't just think hey let me get a pill organizer someone suggested it to you the doctor or you saw, yeah, the, doctor. the doctor the doctor or you saw it on youtube or you saw your parents do it or something else you got the idea from mm -hmm. somewhere to do it Mm -hmm. it's the same thing. They're getting the idea from somewhere. In this case, they're getting the idea of the support from you. You want to be the one of, at least, the supplier of ideas for supports that work with them and who they are. Mm -hmm. So they can then implement it themselves. The idea should be that they eventually can implement these supports on their own. Mm -hmm. At yeah. least most of them. Some of them are can be depending on the individual, can be hit or miss. But the idea should be independence in mm -hmm. terms of they can run the supports themselves. Not they don't need support, they can mm -hmm. manage the supports themselves. And I think a, a prerequisite for any supports, they need to be simple mm -hmm. under, for adult autistics and teenage, simple, understandable, and have mm -hmm. collaboration with the individual themselves mm -hmm. to make sure it works for them and something that you know they can replicate. Even mm -hmm. if they can't do it right away, that's another thing. Don't do it once and expect them to just be able to do it. Habits take a while to form with anybody. Yes. So some other visuals, uh, supports for independent young adults um, or even older adults are things like next to the, if you don't have a programmable thermostat, um, then next to the thermostat, there are reminders of what time you should change the thermostat, what temperature should be in, 
at, because sometimes that is for bill management, right? Like there's ways for you to adjust your minute. So those are visuals that help someone live independently and manage their budget without having to, as we say, remember it on their own. Okay. I don't know what that means. Oh, like mo most thermostats can auto adjust unless your house well, is like a hundred years old. Most of them do, but not everybody has. You'd be surprised. There are a lot of people that don't have, um, you know, most, a lot of apartments don't have an upgraded. Um, especially for like college students, you know, they're still on the old school ones. They have but, co co college students have apartments, have a thermostat period. Yeah, well, they got yeah. money then because you're a college student. Most of y'all, you have like a fan and a window. It's and a you know, you, here's how you know thing. you got to change stuff. You're either freezing so you turn the fan off or you're roasting so you open the window. That's your reminder. <laughs> college kids have nice accommodations now. Yeah. Um, another... Um, visual support that um, two of my uh, friends who just happen to be autistic individuals, they are adults, adults with um, spouses and children, and they have visuals that remind them to eat. They have visuals on the refrigerator that they have to check off certain items they needed to hydrate and eat. Um, I still, and, I, they still got to teach me how to forget to eat. I need to learn that skill. I know oh I can gosh, say that, but like, so funny. someone needs to teach me how to forget to eat. I'm still, I, I can't figure it out. Is it like, is it like a mat? Is it like, do you say like abracadabra? Like, I know. Do, do you give yourself a lumbotomy? Like, how do you no. forget to eat? Cause I need that. Your interceptive system has to just forget to like, give how, me how I shut that shit down. I know. So the, another example is, um, one of my, um, neurodivergent, neurodivergent friends has an infant and she has visual supports around what to do, um, to, what times to feed the baby, how much to give the baby and certain steps around, um, she put up for when the baby was new, it was her first baby. And so just so that she would not feel so overwhelmed, Won't she it just cry if supports. it's hungry. That's that's your reminder? No, they cry for various reasons. But you know that when you bring a new baby home and you've never had an infant, there there's a little like anxiety around that for all most. Oh, I'd be scared. That's why I don't want kids. Yeah. I'd be scared shitless. So there's things that they share with you and they tell you, you know, when you're prepping for the baby, but there's a lot of anxiety around it. So she made her own visual supports around reminding her, like, this is normal. This is what babies do. Or when they do this, like these are some things and don't forget to. So it was really um, a smart way to set herself up for success to minimize the overwhelming um, situation of being a new mom. But uh, the idea around us having this conversation is to talk about, we talk about, or to talk about the idea of visuals or visually driven supports to help facilitate independence in teens and young adults, and even adults who are adulting with families and jobs. Um, they're very helpful. And so to explore that, to ask about that, to think about that, as Torin said, think outside the box of what can I do to, to visually support? Um, and we're going to talk about other supports in the, the next part. I think we're going to do a series, Torin said in the beginning, on um, what do you think our next supporter? Should we just like organically let it come to us? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of pulling this out of my ass. So we'll, 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 as we do the next episode, we'll figure out how many we actually need. It's definitely, we're going to definitely need two because I still want the next part for sure is going to cover all sorts of supports for autistics, mm -hmm. not just visuals mm -hmm. for autistic adults in particular.
Yes. And the importance of them and what they look like. Yes. And then after that, we'll, we'll sort of see what we cover and see mm-hmm. if we'll need a part three or a part four. I honestly don't know. We don't plan this stuff. I <laughs> we know. just sort of do it. And it comes out. And for the most part, it comes out pretty well. So yeah. don't yeah. fix it ain't broke. But All right. um, Stacey, you have anything else to say? Um, You know, I guess I will just finish with um, looking at supports even if they are visual and it maybe looks weird to have directions in your house, or maybe, um, you know, you feel like it shouldn't be necessary. Just remember, this is how we foster independence. And with independence comes a self value that is very important to your child as they are growing into their adult life. So don't take the visuals away. They just look different as we get older and think about how you can incorporate them to foster more independence with your your older teen um young adult and collaborate with them yes even as younger children collaborate with them because even you mentioned the younger sibling of the snack example the tokens Mm -hmm. that's still collaborating with them to where their intelligence level was at at that point Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep and now you have to actually know your kids so you actually have to like listen to your kid and get to know them and all that stuff, all that hard stuff about parenting. I know, I know, I know. But that's how we minimize the chaos. There's two, there's two. More work on the front end equals less work overall. Yes. Because the work on the back end sucks. It's it's not reliable or guaranteed. Having having your son get kicked out of college sucks. Yes. You have to drive five hundred. You have to drive five hundred miles to help them move out of the dorms. Oh, I got kicked out. Why did you get kicked out? Well, X, Y, and Z, and all of them could have been avoided. Yeah, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or like ha- having having your kid committed, which unfortunately is a reality for a lot of o- older autistic people who don't mm-hmm. have sports. That sucks. Yeah. Yep. Having your kid get fired. That's all, all of that. Su- all mm-hmm. that stuff sucks. So you can avoid a lot of it, not all of it, because some of it you, you need to eat a little shit to learn. Mm-hmm. But there's in between eating a little shit and just like swimming in the Pacific Ocean of shit. So you can avoid a lot of that. You can avoid the deep end just mm-hmm. by having supports early. And even if you're listening to this and you haven't been implementing them, your kid's like 15, 16, 17, 20, it's never too late. Yeah. Find ways to work with them and find ways to support them. And in this case, support them with visuals. Visuals help almost everybody mm-hmm. in some way, shape, form, because that's we're, we're seeing creatures. Yep. It's just supports. But Stacy, that's crutch. why we're working to shift the narrative on everything autism. So, guys, remember like, leave a rating, subscribe, all that good stuff. Like I said, I think on iTunes is probably the best, but do it wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really helps. It really does. It helps get the podcast to other people. Mm-hmm. It helps get it up in the algorithm. It, it's just all that good stuff. So yep. yeah, see ya. All right, bye. If you'd like to help marginalize you receive access to books and other learning materials, often inaccessible in many parts of the country, please consider buying the VQ Library of Coffee at Ko-Fi. Link in the description.